What we cannot imagine cannot come into being. The first two minutes of this record are composed almost entirely of a variation on a single refrain. I saw things I imagined. Excerpt from The Thirst for Acceleration by Tegan Meyer. Welcome to Millennial Mystics, a podcast about modern mysticism and the people making it theirs. Together, we explore all angles of mystical subjects for both beginning and advanced practitioners and bring marginalized voices front and center. Prepare to laugh, learn, and decondition. So grab a pen and your grimoire and let's get going. Welcome back, friends. It is another week of rage here at Millennial Mystics. And this time we are here about a culture episode. So as you know, our last quarter moon, we like to review different aspects of mysticism in the culture around us, books, movies, TV, music, art, whatever. And we felt, especially it being Pride Month, that we really needed to take JK Rowling to task and cover Harry Potter. And Harry Potter is a topic we will revisit many times, I'm sure, but we couldn't hold off because we just needed to express how we felt about this and our solidarity with the trans community. And yeah, we just, we couldn't stand, sit back and be like, oh, we'll save that for another time. We need to act now. So yes. on that note, I'm, I'm gonna let Kaylee give you guys the backstory. Or so what you, you fellows, no, not fellows, you all, there we go, y'all. That yeah, is you're nice. in D.C., it can be <laughs> Gender y'all. neutral term. So um, I will let Kaylee explain to y'all what's been going on. Yeah. Y'all means all y'all. Um, so uh, short story is that J.K. Rowling has once again said transphobic comments. Um, flat out. I mean, J.K. Rowling's TERF, which if you're not familiar with the term, it's trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And frankly, there's nothing, there's nothing radical about it. It's just, it's just more harm. Um, So in like this episode of her doing that, she got up in arms about um, an article that spoke about post-COVID-19 and used the phrase people who menstruate, which is the correct phrase for that. And it's the the words that I'm not even going to bother reading the post. If you want to find it, you can Google it. It's for me, it's it's upsetting. It's not only condescending, it's, it's like, it's ridiculing and, and harmful and like reading through it is, is painful for me to read through. Um, 
so I won't. If you want to find it, you can find it very easily. Um, but this is not the first time that J.K. Rowling has done this, and it is every time a incredible. It's an incredible slap in the face to the Harry Potter fandom um, because I just have to say I read actually that the Harry Potter fandom the makeup is about 20% of the fandom is trans which is higher than most fandoms so like it's especially heart-wrenching yes because you're talking about like almost a quarter of your base Right. And I mean, as non-binary, like reading these comments, like the phrase people who menstruate was something for me that was the first time I had ever heard it was incredibly affirming. Um, and it is something that has like empowered and encouraged me in my identity. And um, to, yeah, to hear such disparaging and hurtful comments, um, from somebody who has written a great amount of literature that, you know, has made mysticism so approachable to young people, I, it, it's, it's like stabbing and twisting. It's just painful. And I, it, so coming across like, podcasts like Harry Potter and the Sacred Text where people are saying no this is this series is now ours right that the work that we put into reading it and reading between the lines and the work that we do that for for their perspective makes it sacred is it makes the text more ours than hers at this point and um that's something that was very encouraging to me to read because I was ready to completely just sort of divorce myself from the series and, and look to other places that um, like I, I would find empowerment in, in mysticism and inclusivity. Um, and it's sad because it's something that so many people love. Like it, it, it would be sad to, to do that. Um, right. It's not something that you could do lightly. And I've never really liked the whole, like, separate the artist from the art. That's really difficult for me. Um, but Harry Potter is, like, something that was so formative to my own identity. And I'm a cis woman. Like, that was something that was so formative and inclusive for me growing up. That, like, this was, like, I was really struggling with that. So the fandom has really come through. And, like, part of this conversation is, like, we invited a fan here. Yes. You know how Harry Potter fans are. If you are one, if you've been a fan for long enough, you basically become a scholar on the works. That's just how it is. I don't know anybody who's lukewarm about Harry Potter. You are either like in the cult of Harry Potter or you just like haven't even met it. You're just like, eh. I saw the movie once during Christmas. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we wanted to specifically bring a voice to like trans fans. In talking about this, so we have with us today Telly. Yes, so, Telly, tell us about yeah. yourself. <laughs> Hi. Well, Hi. Um, <laughs> uh, so on the internet, I use Telly because I have I have an office job, and I can't let everyone know that I'm out here doing arguing about Snape on the internet. Um, <laughs> but um, my name is Telly. I am a Taurus sun sign. 
I grew up in New York City. Um, I am Afro-Latinx, you know, it's a podcast, it's a audio, audio medium, so you may not see me, but yep. just to let you know, I am black. <laughs> it's <laughs> important here. to know. We love it. So it does give a perspective that I am so excited to get into. Um, but um, I'm non-binary. I go by they, them. I also am comfortable with she, her, because I'm also very femme. Mm-hmm. And um, I call it my sheem allowance. I'm like, you know, I know <laughs> on first on first sight, I'm very femme, and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. So when someone wants to go, oh, girl, <laughs> I'm like, oh, right. go ahead, do that, yeah. feel free. Um, I'm not a straight person. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I don't think very anyone gay. on this podcast is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it is Harry Potter, so. Um, <laughs> Harry Potter is so queer, so queer. It the whole very much is. Really. Yeah. yeah. Um, and because of those things, I think because I'm non-binary, because I'm gay, because of many things, of me feeling like in, I feel like very much an insider in my own world, and mm. there's tons of media to make me feel included, but at a very formative age, you know, middle school, the beginning of high school, when we're all awkward and figuring out who we are, I always felt like an outsider because I didn't really have language for who I was. And so I think that's why I became very a detestable snake fan, um, because it was, here is someone who is, I'm going to get into it because J.K. Rowling has always showed her roots, but um, the, uh, who is always described as, I don't know, there's something about him, nebulous, kinky, mm, and yeah. all of the ways that she signals those things all boil down to racist, anti-Semitic, transphobic tropes. So um, it's very funny that I'm drawn to the character that she modeled after, I believe it was a teacher that she hated. Um, right, that's why yeah. she kind of did this shame parade for him. Um, and which, and I mean, like, we'll get into it, but like, yeah, you kind of feel like that's part of the coding, right? Yeah. But so to to speak on me, to introduce me, I think that's why I ended up in that part of fandom because I, at a, in a point in my life before I had the language, I was already in the part that's just like, where are, where are the weirdos? And so I went there and then over time, we thankfully because of developments in our world and our cultural perspective, I've been able to understand really what that was. But yeah, that's really me. And the part of the fandom Telly's talking about is the Snape is trans fandom. And that is what we're going to explore today. Because yes. trans representation is in Harry Potter. I hope it's not controversial. I don't think there's anything about it that so like either. I, as soon as I read it, I was like, yes, this is, this is real. This is, this is exactly the way I'm never reading it another way again. Um, and I'm so, so grateful that you've taken time to introduce yourself to all of us in this community. (laughs) And I just, I'm like, I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Yeah. I want, okay. You told us that you're a Taurus sun sign. Yes. Mm -hmm. And what's your rising? Virgo moon, Aries rising. I am very mm. insufferable. <laughs> I am <laughs> very okay. argumentative. Scorpio with... That's incorrect. And the yeah. fact that you disagree with me hurts my feelings because I've never been wrong. And also, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> let's have a debate about it. It's, I'm a <laughs> I've always said I'm a, very, I'm a very fierce friend and an awful dating partner. <laughs> I've always said it. 
I'm like, I'm right. And honestly, if you don't agree, there must be something wrong with you. Yeah. yeah. It's okay. I'm very so. happy to agree with you. <laughs> no, um, but that doesn't, trans- that doesn't translate over into discussing fan theories that can affect populations I'm not a part of. Like, that's yeah. not the same thing. No. <laughs> that's not the same thing at all. Um, and Just in my personal life, when it comes to whether or not yes. how toilet paper should go and how often you should feed cats, that's really where I'm at. Yeah. So I have Sagittarius as my rising and oh. my and my moon. So like yes. very That's insufferable. Fun. I'm a very insufferable <laughs> person too. <laughs> and Aquarius my Mars. Sagittarius. I oh. so I grew up with that. <laughs> yes, I know. I know. I so I'm like like very righteous in my in my fighting. <laughs> I think this is probably so opinionated. Like, like I'm I'm like yeah. I'm Pisces Sun Moon with the Gemini rising, so oh, I'm like yeah, I'm a sweetheart. It is a bunch. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, and we've got plenty of water spread around. So thank you for bringing the Earth energy to us. Like, yes, very very yes. grateful for some Earth energy over here. Thank and you, thank you. I have a design? lot of Earth signs. <laughs> human design. Yes. Oh right. Oh, what did I do? Oh, I have it. I, I, have I already it the- remember it. So do you want yeah. me to tell it? You're a yeah, manifesting please. generator with emotional authority. So and we, we're going to tell you about all of that, but like, yeah. just to make you feel super understood right now is like, uh-huh. I call manifesting generators, I say you're shooting stars because like your aura goes out in all directions, but you are too fast speeding in one direction for anybody to like <laughs> bask in it. You're just yeah. like, headed towards You're like, I have a mission, I'm going, and all of you are going to see it. So like, take some pictures, take some You're, pictures. You are literally designed to not follow through on things. You only do them until you feel that's like true. you've done it, and then you're like, I'm over it, and that you are supposed to be that way. You are not Don't look late. at my fan fiction works in progress. Oh, no. It's okay, it's just I know the way I you work. I update twice a week. I, <laughs> I know it's no, been you're too not much, meant don't to. look. You're supposed to have a million projects going. Yes. That's just how you You're just are. living as you are. It's yeah. perfect. Sorry, I live right next to a police station, so that's going to happen. Me too. Yeah, me too. we might have a few <laughs> sirens tonight. Guys. In these times, it's stressful. But, you yeah. know, just yeah, to that's say. Okay. <laughs> and, we take um, time for stress if, if yeah. you know, if everybody mm-hmm. needs to breathe, I will guide us through some nice deep breathing and we'll, you know. I will Recenter. also say, like, <laughs> the emotional authority thing, I have that. Yeah. So I say that, like, you got to sleep on it. Whenever it comes to a decision, you always, like, know about it the next morning. It's like, you got to cycle mm-hmm. through all the feelings. Yeah. You sleep, you wake up, you know. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, you're meant fair. to, yeah, you're definitely meant to make all of your decisions based on the, the breadth of your emotion. So, like, mm-hmm. all of the highs, all of the lows, once you get all of them, and you'll know, you know, you're like, that time that you have that moment, you wake up in clarity, um, yeah. you finished that emotional cycle, and then your decision's there. Um, oh, impulsivity is, is usually where you end up with, like, oh, I really wish I didn't say yes to going out to this. Exactly. You know? mm-hmm. That happens to me all the time. I'm out. I'm having a good time. And then somebody's like, we should do this again. You want to do it, like, next week? And I'm like, yeah. And then next week rolls around, and I'm like, 
Why? No. Then I cancel. Then I cancel last minute all the time. So yeah, I get so much trouble for. Oh, let's do this. I have great plans, and then I'm I'm in my pajamas. I'm taking a nap. Yeah. And someone says, "Well, we have to do this," and I was like, "Oh, I'm already comfortable. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, I can't go." Well, now you're go have fun though without me. me. <laughs> Tell me how it was. You never had to feel bad about it before, but now you really don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah. it's just the way you're designed to be like okay. actually. And the since this is a, a yeah. Harry Potter episode, what house are you in? Oh yeah, Slytherin. Yes. yes, I am in Slytherin house. That is true. There is debate because I mean I don't visit Pottermore anymore because I don't want that woman's site to get any more traffic from me. Um, yeah, so I find off-brand versions. You know, it's 2020. We I was raised in the early 2000s. We know how to find the alternate version. <laughs> we yes. can oh, find yeah, the freeware. We, we can find the open source. So I usually scour for the versions of the original um, Sorting Hat Queen because that one was so much more extensive. And that one, and originally I was a Slytherin, and I'm always going to stick to that Mm -hmm. because that's what I, that's what I was told. And then. um, You feel it in your heart of hearts. You asked the Sorting Hat, the Sorting (laughs) Hat placed you in Slytherin. This is the way it is. was a full adult. I walked into, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a full adult when Pottermore went up. I was in high school, but college, maybe high school. I was in high school. But, you know, I walked in, I pushed all those 11 year olds aside. I said, you have your turn. And I said, excuse me, Mr. Hat, um, what am I? And Mr. Hat looked at me and said, girl, it's Slytherin. And I said, I agree. Thank you. You're right. And mm-hmm. so, but in the current, but in the new truncated version, I'm a Ravenclaw and I'm like, I'll take it, but no. Have you, done the quiz? Have you yeah. done the quiz that it's like all the questions from Pottermore? Yeah, like combined of all of them? It has like literally. Yeah, it's a combination of get. every all quiz, all that. of them. Yeah, I will, well, I will link it in the show notes for everyone oh, yeah. and I will send it to you because it is so It's good. in depth. It's levity. Just yes. like a good time. Seriously. Yeah, well, sure. and the interesting thing with it is that it does like a secondary house. It, it so, brings you down. Oh, yeah, yeah like which percentage of each. Yeah, so you have like, I may be um, a Slytherin, but I'm a Ravenclaw rising sort of thing, <laughs> you know, like. Let me look at my trio here. Let's really look. <laughs> yeah, I. it was funny because like um, I was, when I did that quiz, it was 1% Gryffindor over Ravenclaw. So I like <laughs> to close. say, yeah, I like to say that I would have been a hat stall. I think for sure. Oh, yes. Because the hat would have been searching through my thoughts that I'd have been thinking about a million other things. <laughs> I'd have been all like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was busy. What was the question? And the hat's like, there was no question. <laughs> I'm just trying to get to the answer. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I'll yeah, sure. you well you got, yeah, you, you go ahead with that. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. It's cool. I just get up. I forget I'm on the stool. I just get up. I put the hat down. I said, mm, I had sweaty. And I just walked to whatever table I like the colors of. I'm like, mm, I look good in green. And I just <laughs> plop myself down. I'm getting side-eyed. And I'm like, Anne, can I help you? I yeah. look great in these colors. Why wouldn't you want me here? And then I just change my house every week. <laughs> like, oh, I think I'll look good in red today. See, I, I see the Slytherin thing. And, like, Slytherins do get a bad rap. But I always say, mm-hmm. like, it's the other side of the coin to Gryffindor. There's really no, mm-hmm. there's, like, very subtle differences between the two. It's just mm-hmm. that, like, Gryffindor is, like, you know, a little more boastful. And it's more, like, oh, the good of all. Whereas Slytherin's, like, the good of my people. I, <laughs> like, that's who comes first. 
Slytherin said, it's all to me. Yeah. (laughs) Slytherin said, this is my circle, it's all to me. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I would say, too, I mean, Slytherins aren't necessarily, like, all, like, only Slytherins, right? That there are definitely really wonderful examples of Slytherins that are, you know, just like, it's resource-based, right? It's it's all about, this is what I have, and that's what I can do with it, and Uh these are the people that I can pull in to get it done. And that's, it's... Yeah, I love it. I mean, and it also makes so much sense, like Taurus and Virgo. Like I, so we haven't really gotten into Harry Potter in these episodes yet, but like I, I definitely associate each of the houses with elements and Uh there is so much earth energy in Slytherin and like everybody Uh would love to fight me on it and say, no, that's Hufflepuff, but Hufflepuff isn't, Hufflepuff is like fire and water. It's, yeah, yeah, it's. Hufflepuff is like, I feel, well, I think it's because of the hardworking aspect of it but if you think about like the inspired fire signs and them just saying listen this came down from the universe i'm doing it you know that Mm -hmm. that can be considered hardworking. and then the loyalty i mean that is you know tauruses are loyal like i get it honestly when i first took the quiz i wanted to get hufflepuff i'm not even gonna lie when i first get it i wanted to get hufflepuff because i i don't care about what's the popular house i want the cute one but (laughs) and i look great in yellow i look good in a lot of colors you know melanin yeah but yeah I couldn't, it wouldn't give it to me. And I was so upset when I had to figure out how to trick the, the quiz into giving me what I wanted. I felt like a failure. Yeah. And then I had to accept I was a Slytherin because I was mad that I couldn't manipulate the test to give me what I wanted. And you're right. Which is so. kind it's of a Slytherin answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fair. What's but there are so many like wonderful Slytherins. I just, oh, I, yeah. I, they get, they get way too bad of a rap. Like, mm-hmm. and, and maybe it's because the Ravenclaw in me is like, no, Slytherins, like, I give them the information, they give me the resources, <laughs> perfect balance. Like, how, how else do you expect together. this work to get done? How else do you yeah. expect the work to get done? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so. I'm over here just like barging in on things based on like how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> what I feel like is just, I'm just like, rah! Yeah, Gryffindor is a little... Oh, go me ahead. to a T. Me to a T. I do yeah. not really The uh, Leroy Jenkins meme from forever ago. That oh my gosh. Meme. That's so long ago. Running in the room. Yeah. 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 I'm that person, you know. Yeah. I'm not. We talked about my signs. I'm not here to be up to date. <laughs> um, we were talking about this before the episode, but I'll bring it up now while we're on the houses. And that's like me uh-huh. and my four, me and my three siblings were all in a different house. Which is wild to me. My my siblings and I are not that way. That's so but cool. Are you guys all in the same house or what? So, no. Um, my brother is... Um, actually... Gryffindor? I don't remember what you he got. Yeah, I don't remember what he got on the original quiz. And then uh, my sister is Ravenclaw for sure. Yeah. Very, very Ravenclaw. Chloe's super Ravenclaw. <laughs> We, um, so I'm in Gryffindor, which makes sense because I'm just like, I am right and I will fight you to the death because I am right and I need to defend all my rightness. I feel Um, like Gryffindor is very Kool-Aid man. Yes, yes, (laughs) I am the Kool-Aid man. Yes, for sure. And then my sister, so my sister, it's so funny because like you wouldn't think she's a Hufflepuff. She, um... Like her big three, I always say she's a terrifying woman because she has she is a Capricorn with 
what is it? It's Leo Moon and Aries Rising. So she is oh like my a power powerhouse of a woman. But she's a Hufflepuff, yeah. and it makes sense. She's a lawyer. She likes to work for like she represents indigenous clients. So she works with a lot of like you know she does a lot of housing stuff right now. Her old job she used to work for social security disability people, like people filing for social security. So she's always been like a defender of like people who have been. Uh, marginalized. So that's like always been her thing. So she always stands up for them. She's just all about fairness and justice, like, and she's super loyal. And um, like her feet are always cold. And don't they say they have foot warmers in the common room or something? <laughs> yeah. So, and then my two brothers. So um, my brother Joe is a Ravenclaw, which I was not surprised about. He's an Aquarius. So he loves analysis, oh, yeah. loves mm. reading. I mean, he's he like reads information. He reads nonfiction, but he's like really good at what he does. And he's like really like really witty, really smart, um, loves to debate, like loves to debate uh -huh. because he enjoys like the mental games of it. Mm -hmm. And then my youngest brother, who is like a sweet angel of a human, he ended up in Slytherin and he was like, what the fuck? But then a few months later said something like somebody crossed him and he was like, I will bring her down and shame her as soon as I am in power. And I was oh just like, goodness. okay, wow. And you wonder why, right. you were, like, why you were a Slytherin. It's because there it is. Make yeah, his skin. Okay. Oh yeah. He's just super loyal to his people. Like if you're mm. in his inner circle, of course he's the most warm, loving person there is, but you cross him or you cross someone he cares about and he will burn it to the ground. Where's the so Scorpio in his chart? <laughs> he's got a lot of Sagittarius. I told you about that. Oh like yeah. He's he, even though he's got like Gemini Sun Moon and um or no Gemini Sun and Rising and a Cancer Moon, he's got a Sagittarius stellium, which I don't understand how. So he's got so much Sagittarius. Wow. Everything else is yeah. Sagittarius. They yeah. said those those three can have what they must, but everything yeah. else started to line Everything up. goes out. So everything funny. else goes here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so it's funny. wild. It, it made a lot of sense, like, once we figured it out. And we all went off based off, like, the all questions Pottermore quiz, mm -hmm. which is not from Pottermore. It's like somebody took all the questions and did mm -hmm. a breakdown. And it was, like, it was fascinating. But it made sense. All of us, it makes sense that we're in all those houses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fun. I can definitely see it. So I want to get into the, to the nitty-gritty of this, because you were talking <laughs> earlier about, like, all of these like racist connotations and stuff that are in the series. And, you know, this is probably just my white privilege. Like, even though mm -hmm. I'm Latina, I am white presenting. I have had a mm -hmm. white experience growing up. Oh, wait, Latina oh. how? Wait, real quick. Latina oh, how? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Puerto Rican. Yeah. Puerto Rican. Yes, me too. Yes. yes. We love. We love. That's <laughs> the so Boricua fun. love. Yes. Yes. That's fun. Uh, okay, that's so, very funny. <laughs> so all of that just like went totally over my head. And I think probably because like I had a very like, you know, like even though we're culturally Latina at home, like, you know, Latin at home, you know, my experience out in the world has definitely been white. So I kind of, I want to hear like where you were seeing this. And of course I've read about it now, but I want to hear you being like the fandom scholar that you are, how you were seeing that, like, yeah. you know, while reading the series for those of, for the people who aren't familiar. Well, well, one of the main things is it's kind of, we're just going to look right at it, the blood purity part. We're just going to look straight, straight yes. in the eye. 
So I don't know if you're familiar. I mean, it's strange to be in a time where there is so much happening socially. And honestly, I haven't, you've caught me in an interesting time because I, and I just made a post about how I kind of walked away for fandom for a while um, because there's just a lot happening in the world right now. And I was putting a lot of my energy into grieving, into donating where I can, um, into kind of just trying to live my day-to-day life as a black person in America right now, um, in the middle of a pandemic. Um, again, because, um, you know, the thing about these things, about the time that we're in, we're in is once it stops trending, once the media stops covering it, some people can walk away from it and some people can't. And I'm one of the people that can't. So I kind of walked away from fandom because I didn't know how to engage with it. Um, I didn't know how to engage with it responsibly. I didn't know how to engage with it in a healing way. And so I walked away and I had just started getting re-inspired to return to it when you contacted me. So that's very funny. Um, especially because I have fan fiction, one of my OC series um, that I have, it involves a cast of black characters. So it was very interesting <laughs> the time that you picked me up, but the thing that, that really pings for me as a black person reading Harry Potter is the blood purity. I don't know if you're familiar with the, the, the U S conception of like the, the U S racial conception of the one drop rule. Are you familiar with it at all? No. Will you please, please educate me. Thank you. So it's not your job, but you are on the podcast. So (laughs) I'm just here to, I'm just here, you know, I'm just in the chat. Yeah. But, um, there is, and the U.S. racial configuration, there is a concept when it comes to blackness called the one drop rule, which is if you are just a drop black, you're black. Um, I mean, of course, there's a the concept of passing and the U.S. It's not referenced as much now because we're living in such a, a strange, obtuse time where it's either it, people are put in these very strong blocks. It's not so formulaic as it used to be where it says, okay, this composition, your grandfather, your great-grandmother, this, 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 this really comes out. You put it in the computer and it, it gives you a receipt of like what your racial composition is. That yeah. still exists you know, in La Mezclada and like Latina culture and Latin American culture that still exists. But, um, and in Caribbean culture that also exists and West Indian culture still exists. There's a different racial construct in the U S there's a racial construct of the one drop, which is basically you can be as white passing as you want, but if someone finds out that you have a black relative, it is immediately, well, you're not white, you know, you're black. Right. Um, even though like genetically speaking, most white people in the U S are maybe I mean, this is, I don't want to quote a number, but there is some percentage of blackness there. Um, so, but that is a discussion of blood. That's a discussion of blood composition. That's a discussion of, well, how much of this makes you that? But I was raised this, but I was raised that. Harry Potter as a character, and this is one of the first fan theories that really took hold in me, was the mixed Harry Potter. Harry Potter as a mixed child. Harry Potter as his father being a brown-skinned man or a black man and being raised with the Dursleys and then having this this conflict of, um, well, blood-wise, and even if we just look at the canon, just go straight canon. We don't have to worry about any, um, don't talk about, like, any real-world racial, complica- like, racial application. Just talk about straight fan and blood purity talk. You know, muggle-born, half-blood, pure-blood, whatever. It's basically saying the composition is, well, your mother was muggle-born, but she was a witch, but your father was the pure-blood, and the name was a wizard, so you're a half-blood, even though your mother was a muggle-born, but her mind is a muggle-born. You know, like, all of that discussion, all of that discourse, as a black person, immediately puts up a flag of, like, oh, 
<laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, especially when it's written by a white British woman. At some point, you got to say, oh, so we're talking about blood purity now? All right. Um, not to say that anyone, not to say that the main cast was on the wrong side of that discussion, but that the discussion happened at all. And it was, instead of it directly being about race, it was about an allegory to race, mm-hmm. which I've never been a huge fan of allegories to race. I read, now I'm in a phase where I'm reading, I'm not a phase, I've kind of grown to a point where I read mostly Afrofuturists or um, black sci-fi, black fantasy, black yeah. speculative fiction. So I'm in a place where, Race is talked about as race in the story. It's not an allegory. But, you know, Harry Potter is very much like monsters, you know, talking about the creatures or the beings and and the the werewolf laws and the control of magical creatures and Remus Lupin's role in it and Hagrid's role as a half-giant. And there is a lot in there that is an allegory to race that isn't. And so that isn't talking about race directly. So that's one of those things that I always picked up on. Obviously, when I was a child, I didn't have the full lexicon. You know, I didn't have all the reading. But um, did your ears over time, I kind of grew to like. Huh? like when you were when you were a kid, was that registering for you, or is that something when I was a kid? You... I was always a yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I think it's kind. Of, I think it would be hard to find because I was one of those you know gifted children, which it's Harry Potter. A lot of people were on a fast yeah. track at school. Yeah. Um, a lot of the Harry Potter scholars that you mentioned, a lot of people who are kind of hard, you know, either are all in or nothing with Harry yeah, Potter. Yeah. I mean, in our cultural context, like the all in people, the people who really learn all about it tend to be the kids who are fast tracked in school. Yeah, Not because gifted. of any reason specifically yeah. because you're, that's what your focus is and that's what you study. All gifted meant as a kid is that now you have anxiety. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Look at it. Ruined a perfectly yeah. good kid. Now yeah. it's got anxiety. Right. But, um, so I was a gifted black kid. There's other discussions. I mean, there are books in our community in the world right now that are being published that are talking about what's it like to be a gifted black kid and if it of feeling if does uh, linking identity to performance isolation from community. That's a whole other thing. That's a conversation that's happening in our community. So that's yeah, yeah. a whole other thing. But um, just to to reference that is me saying I was in a period of time where I already felt like. Um, who I was was very much tied to what I could do. And so I turned to Harry Potter as a place to escape because it's fantasy. It's a children's fantasy series. So I was a child. I needed fantasy. Um, yeah. and, but it always, the blood purity talk, it always, I, it's very hard for me to find someone who's also in my position. Um, I give the black kid or just a black kid reading Harry Potter who read the moment where Hermione Granger came in crying because Draco Malfoy called her a mudblood and like learning about what that means. It's like being a black kid and learning and being called the N word for the first time, which has happened to me <laughs> um, right. being shouted at from a car passing or in the street or whatever. So I also went to predominantly white um, private school as I got older. So it happened more frequently as I got older. And I just feel like I always referenced that moment where Hermione was like, he called me a slur and that in itself, I mean, because it's an allegory to race, you're not talking about a black girl having an experience. You're talking about a whatever girl in Rowling's imagining, probably a white girl having an experience. And um, the kind of removing it from blackness always felt strange to me. But that, that moment in itself 
really mattered to me. That that moment happened mattered to me. I could write off the fact that maybe the character wasn't initially intended to look X, Y, and Z. Um, but Hermione Granger in general, was she hair? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Coming in, saying, feeling like, you know, people kind of hushing her up as though what she has to say doesn't matter or she's always going too hard about things. Spew, trying to like free the house elves yeah. who, who should have our slaves. You know what I mean? So Yeah, absolutely. Harry Potter was always, but, and then to talk about the roots of, you know, J.K. Rowling was always shorter roots. The racism in Harry Potter, other than the allegory to race, which I don't think is racist in and of itself. I just don't care for it. Um, there is, her trying to free the house elves and that being seen as um, absurd or silly or, you know, her just not getting the way things are here. And then Ron trying to kind of talk her out of it. And then we get the arc where at the end, Ron comes in and he's like, I free- we can't let the elves be here. They'll die. We have to free them. And then she like kisses them because he's like, you listened. And I'm like, it took, you know, seven years, but he listened, you know. Right. Um, yeah. But just initially that the series morphed to the point to that point. But in the beginning, it was seen as ridiculous for her to care that much. And that's always, you know, that to me was the point where I'm like, this is kind of the, ooh, this is the breeding ground of some racist stuff. You know what I mean? On top of other things. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's definitely plenty of racist coding that's in there that you can pull apart for sure. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. definitely worth, like, its own episode. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, we could talk (laughs) about that for. Ever. And no, I mean, not, like a transphobia. Not <laughs> we're here to talk about it all. Well, yeah, yeah I actually would so love to much. talk about all of it. Yeah. There's like, so, talk, you just like open the, the bag and it's spilling out. All yes. Things. Yeah. But you know what? I don't want it to go back in the bag. Like, let's no, yeah. no, no, put it all out. out. Yep. Yeah. yeah on that, time. It is. Yeah, it is time. The goblins. I didn't realize that until, like, I literally, I'm It, like, makes my heart race a little bit. To like, yeah. yeah. When I was um, like, wait a second, the goblins are Jews. Like, that's yeah. what you did. That's exactly what, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, there was a particular dialogue. So I'm um, Misakwa. Um, my tribe mm-hmm. is uh, part of the Wabanaki Confederation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, there was this one particular conversation that Stan Shunpike was having with a group of boys in the forest uh in the fourth book um and the vilas went by and like Mm -hmm. the commentary about um like the specific language that they used was um particularly triggering for me like to it, it sounded so similar to the way that white people fetishize native women that like it, it like getting to that part like makes me tense up every single time it's mm-hmm. it's horrifying and the it just it's like every single turn and i think that that's part of why so many people found like some sort of solace in harry potter that they could like see that these topics were being tackled in a fantasy sort of way so yeah. that it like it opened up eyes for a lot of white readers, I feel like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for for black readers, native readers, Indian readers. Although, like her treatment of the Patils is like that's another episode. But um, let's talk about J.K. Rowling is that way. <laughs> it has always been so that way. Um, <laughs> it's it's like oh, all of the 
muscles in my body tense up every time. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. It yeah, is. I get it. It is. And it's, it's also like, it's giving permission to talk about it. You know, it's, it was a way for like, I, I didn't get to Harry Potter until I was an adult, but mm-hmm. my younger siblings really enjoy Harry Potter. And I would drive them to all of the like, you know, opening nights and like the wizard parties and we'd watch magicians and all that really cute stuff. And like, Mm -hmm. I acted like the annoyed older sister, but really it was really fun for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's magical. Literally. Yes. Yeah, it is. I remember when that first movie happened and we hear the composition. Mm. Oh, oh, the orchestral. When that first movie happened and I saw it, because I actually, I've been reading it since I was a child. Um, I was given the book because my parents, my dad was in the bookstore. He saw a thick book and he said, okay, my child, this, please <laughs> read something. Be busy. Stay busy. And gave me, <laughs> and just found the biggest, most child appropriate book he can find and he handed it to me. Um, and I read it. I think I read half of it and put it down because I, I think initially I was kind of uninterested in it. Um, I was a child. I was interested in weird things. Um, and then, I mean, I'm an adult into Harry Potter. I'm still interested in weird things. We're and, really interested into weird things, so <laughs> you're on a witchcraft podcast. So uh, yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, yep. you got you got me. There. I'll give you that. You got me. Yeah. There. But um, when I saw that movie, oh my goodness, it it I couldn't believe it. It was truly like being transported. Mm-hmm. And I went back to the books and I just devoured all the books. Every time one came out, I just, it just went in me. I just, there was even a part where I borrowed the sixth book because I couldn't get um, the Half-Blood, yeah, the Half-Blood Prince, which I'm a snake fan, wild. Anyway, yes. um, I couldn't get <laughs> the we'll Half-Blood Prince. will get into it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I couldn't get the Half-Blood Prince myself at the time. And so I borrowed it from a kid who I did not like, who was another one of the smart kids. I think he had a crush on me, but whatever. Um, I borrowed it from a kid that I absolutely did not like, uh, simply because I needed to read that book. And then I read that book on my first day to like an extracurricular program I was in over the summer, um, which helped me get into boarding school. Like Harry Potter has been there because yeah. when things are stressful, it's time to read Harry Potter. When I moved, when I was in college, Time to read it. I went to boarding school specifically because someone told me it would be like Harry Potter. <laughs> I oh. went away to boarding school. <laughs> wow. For high school. I lived there. I had a dorm. I had that Amazing. whole situation. I had it. And then when we moved in, in our first year, someone got all the freshmen email addresses and sent out an email that was the Harry the, the Hogwarts acceptance letter. Oh my god. Listen, listen, it's been there. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Wow, that's so sweet. That. <laughs> it was in there. It's just magic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's fantasy. It's, it's you know, that's why it's really hard to confront. Not, I mean, it's not very hard. But, I mean, it's really hard if you're doing it for the first time or if you're just doing it now or if you're doing it in a bad time. Like, when, it's, when you're already, because of the times that we're in now, when you're already in a sensitive place, it's very, it's very hard to kind of confront, again, the big flaws in this universe. But... Yeah. yeah, I did. It was hard for me. I walked away for a while, so. Yeah, <laughs> I still have to do it. Just because it's hard doesn't yeah. mean we don't do it. Yeah. You come back. You come back yeah. and you don't ignore it. You don't take the time to go away, forget all the bad stuff, and come back fresh. You go away, you come to terms, and you come back and you say, all right, I'm ready to do this now. I'm ready to face yeah. it and yep. and do what I must. 
Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that I love about rereading the books is that every time I read it, I've grown and evolved as a person. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. each time I read it, I'm pulling something new and different from what I know more about the world. And it makes Mm -hmm. me see that world in a whole new light which I, I think is, is probably a good segue into talking about Snape as a trans woman. Yes. Because like, I, I think that this is a light that I, I really want people to, to read this. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really fascinating. And so, so the article. Introduce us to the theory. Yeah. And like, okay, yeah, let's do so, it. I will say, because you initially spoke with Snaping the Senses. Snaping yes. the Senses and him and other people actually started Snape being a trans woman specifically. I think I initially, the way that we got to know each other, which is why I think he referred you my way, the way that we got to know each other is I had drawn a little doodly sketch in about 2014, um, and I wrote a little snippet called The Fourth Year Uniform, and it was about Snape as a trans man, a trans boy, kind of bucking against his father because he wants to wear the boy's uniform. And his father is saying, I'm not spending more money. You're going to wear the uniform I give you. And so he goes to Lily and their friends in Cokeworth and he goes to Lily. It's fan fiction. I'm a fan fiction writer also. Sorry. I didn't introduce myself as that. I write fan fiction. <laughs> um, and he goes to Lily and he says, this is my situation and I'm very upset about it, but what can I do? We don't have the money. And I have to live like this. And Lily says, here, take the money I was going to buy to wear my uniform and I'll wear that uniform. And the uniform that he had gotten was secondhand. And he was like, no, but you know, you could get a brand new uniform. Don't worry about this. And Lily was like, no, I'll wear that uniform all year. Use this money and go get the boys uniform. Um, And just, it was about that. And I wrote that in a period of time where I was talking, I was discussing with myself, my own gender. I was exploring my own gender and I was exploring my own, specifically my gender expression. Um, clearly I've come into a different conclusion now that I'm very femme presenting, but at the time it was very much like, I feel trapped. I feel like other people are making decisions for me. I feel like I can't, especially as a black person, when the the masculinization of black people exists. So I always felt like my narrative about my own gender was not my own, even if it wasn't decided by my parents, it was decided by someone, something else. Um, and so I was really writing that to express myself, and that's how he got knew me. That's how he saw he saw that, and then reached out to me and said, "Did you do this? Let's talk about it." And so, um, so when it talks about where I am, I usually tend to write more about like non-binary Snape. I did have a period where I was writing a lot about trans women, trans Snape being a trans woman, um, but I am not the first citation for that specifically because I, at a time, I had found out that that article wasn't received very well by some people, some trans women specifically, and in um, kind of publicly, it wasn't people I knew personally. Um, I found out about it secondhand, but because of that, I said, well, you know what? Just looking at the headline, Silver Snape is a testable character that's described as ugly, that's described as evil, that's described as crooked and dangerous to children. So I completely understand being offended by that theory if you're just reading a headline. And so even though I, and I can still talk about the theory, I can still talk about the, the roots of that. And I can talk about the things that exist in Canon that that had led to. Um, but 
for that theory specifically, I didn't make, I don't make content for that anymore just because I want to be respectful. It's about my community. I'm not personally a trans woman, so I don't want to disrespect trans women. I only want to help. I want to be an ally. So I don't make that content anymore, but we definitely can discuss the content, the theories, the what exists. The what JK rolled out, wrote down in text. Yes, yes. So That's what get I into it. Let, let's get into yeah. it. And I have to admit, so I I would love to see that original fan fiction because yeah. when this theory was introduced to me, that was the image that popped into my head was that mm-hmm. Snape's a trans man. Like that's mm-hmm. how I read it, and like maybe that's like my reading, you know, because mm-hmm. that's that's where I see myself in it. But yeah, um, yeah it's. I yeah, I love it. Let's get into it, please. So juicy. Let's get into gritty. Yeah. Honestly, that kind of supports the theory of the connection with Lily so much better than like a childhood crush, honestly. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it does. I mean, like there's this extra level of support. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because really, Lily was his his untrusted to kindness. Lily in the books, it's a small boy a small neglected boy who doesn't have a lot in his favor right now, hiding in a bush, looking at, you know, these sisters. And one of them looks, it's just being magical. She's swinging as high as she can. She jumps off and she floats down onto her tippy toes. And it's like, that's a witch, you know, like feeling that immediate connection. And it's a heritage. Let's discuss. (laughs) So the point number one, I also have a post that's kicking around. It's old. I should update it. So maybe I shouldn't reference it, but it does have some of my ideas about um, Snape. It's a old post called Snape is a gendered being. I can find it. And Mm -hmm. maybe if I could send it your way, I can maybe make notes about what I, what parts of it I don't hold to anymore and what parts of it I've developed further. Sure. But, um, Number one thing about Snape, easy, it's right there in the book. His rel- magic is is his his claim to fame. Like when it comes to how he thought that he was going to come up in the world, he thought that he was going to be a great wizard, and of course he was. <laughs> and Snape was a different character, and he was a great wizard, okay? And he was not a great guy, but you know, as a wizard, right. he was pretty nifty. Um, yep. So, um, but he said one day I'm going to be a great wizard. That it was basically his idea of how to, of how to. I mean, really, it's how to be loved, how to belong, how to be respected, how to have power in a, a childhood where he didn't have any of those things. But if we're talking about magic being his portal into greatness, or his portal into a better life, or his portal into the better life he thought he was owed, where did he get that magic from? His mother. He talks about his relationship to his mother and his relationship to his father. You know, his personality is his father's, but his magic is his mother's. So calling himself the Half-Blood Prince as he's developing spells. Um, It's, I mean, and of course, as a mixed non-binary kid, I'm going to care about the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, right, um, yeah. (laughs) But, um, so, one he has a lot of the connections in his life are to women. It's Lily. His heroes are his mother, are Lily. Those are the people that he, those are the connections that end up saving him. And the connections that damn him are his connections to um, power authority figures who are largely men. Dumbledore. Yes, Dumbledore is canonically a gay man. But, you know, Dumbledore, Voldemort, James Potter, like there are characters. He's always existing in this nexus of what, like, 
his there is femininity and masculinity always struggling in him as a character. Now, the reason why I believe that's the case is I don't think it's any, I don't think it's because J.K. Rowling was getting into non-binary discourse about gender and our relationship to identity. I think it's because she wanted to embarrass a teacher, a character that she created after a teacher she didn't like um, because she needed a caricature of the evil teacher. It's a children's series, like, let's be honest. But in order to make that caricature, she fell back on, oh, he can't be trusted. He's, basically, he can't be trusted. He's too feminine. He walks very quietly he whispers his eyes glitter he does potions and poisons it's very much like he's very dramatic he has that flair he only has a long billowing cloak it's very much like as a gay kid all the gay kids who were into disney really loved like jafar and scar and Ursula. like loving that camp that drama that like that silhouette but you know and snape was that of course we're gonna love this guy yep and the long hair they talk about that too like snape having like long greasy hair that was like a thing yeah yeah no the queer coding and like that's that's yeah yeah, queer coding on villains is just Mm -hmm. it's everywhere it's what it is yeah Yeah. it's everywhere there are so many there's so much literature about it um and it's just it's just rehashed in Snape as a character, simply the case. Um, and then for his, there's also a comic that I drew years ago called, it doesn't have that many notes, but I worked really hard on it, but I drew it years ago. It's called In My Stead. And it was because other meta writers in the Snape community were talking about Snape and female heroism. Snape and in the absence of Lily Potter, having to take up this role of, you know, the Doe having to take up this role of protecting Harry, having to take up this role of guiding him. And some people even say his contentious relationship with Harry is a lot less like enemies, a lot less like father-son, is much more like mothers and daughters. Um, You know, I'm not you. You don't know anything. Don't talk bad about my dad. I don't trust you. Don't tell me what to do. And then, you know, if anyone amongst us has been a daughter, it's very much like, mom, please. And then mom being all like, you need to do. And you being like, you don't know me. You know, I mean, yeah. that's the case of teens and parents. But, sure. you know, mm-hmm. that that contentious relationship of like, you can't decide who I am for me. Um, I know you're trying to keep me safe. You're trying to keep yeah. me away from the dangers. Because when you're a daughter, it's always don't get pregnant. Like my mom yeah. raised me with, I'm trying to keep you away from, what did she used to say? Oh, my God, it was so wild and vulgar. What did she used to say? <laughs> it was. The penis, the pipe, and the pole. That's what she used to say. Oh, wow. It was very yep. shaming. It was very shaming. I've had many conversations with her about oh how you shouldn't God. shame, but that's what she used to say yeah. when I was a child. Um, I mean, I don't hold with that at all, but that's how she raised me. And the idea of like, I'm trying to keep you away from the dangers of the world. You're in danger just by being, you know, yeah. a feminine person, you're in danger in this society. And I'm trying to, and if you oh, don't, yeah. because of the victim blaming, if right. something bad happens to you, it'll be your fault because you flipped. So I'm trying right. to teach you everything. Yeah. And, you know, Snape isn't necessarily maternal. I'm not saying that, no, but, but I'm that's saying the entire that contention. narrative of Order yeah. of the Phoenix when he's training Harry. Mm-hmm. She yeah. or he or they is training mm-hmm. Harry to like block out Voldemort's thoughts and that connection. And like mm-hmm. the tone of that is entirely basically like if you let Voldemort in, that's your fault. Like if that's something on bad you. happens, it's oh, on God. you now. Mm-hmm. I have like like the, <laughs> oh really? <laughs> yeah, that's you guys can't see it, change? but I'm like I'm like <laughs> trying to wiggle all of that off oh my yeah God. yeah no it's 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 so there and I'm never gonna see it a different way yeah yeah it's very much so and talking about how his powers are 
information gathering, how his powers are network-based. Let's discuss Narcissa going to him to protect Draco, a mother going to him to protect the son, being like, look, I mean, there's articles that talk about, and I don't want to get too gender essentialist about it. I don't want to say because women do this. I don't want to say that because women no, are, right. people are people, you know, it's a very diverse world, but to say, and obviously if we, I think if we discuss, if we find enough different variations, we're going to see that this isn't essentially true. But I did see some things that discuss like networking. I think when you're in a marginalized community, when you're in a community that has a limit of resources, then you network. It's very much about, I have to turn to my community to survive. That, that happens if you're poor, that happens if you're a, yeah. a woman, that happens if you're a, a queer or LGBTQ in any way. It happens where you're like, I have a limit of resources, so I have to learn, look to my community and look for help, for support. And for Narcissa to say, I don't have, I can't do this. I need you to do this for him. Please protect him. It's very much like, it's not, that doesn't essentially make Snape more feminine, but it does include him in the community of saying, right. I need, it, it brings him into the dialogue of like, I, this is a character who people can look to for help. Um, and just, you know, the way he moves, the way he talks, the way he talks very, very close to people. It's very like, it's menacing, but it's menacing from a, it's not menacing from the stature of I'm big, I'm bold, I'm brash, you know, it's menacing from the it's stature not, of I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's absolutely you. not that like, um, that toxic masculinity it's sort not, of yeah, it's, it's, it's a different it's kind of toxic yeah. Yeah. it's a it's much different machismo, kind of, it's not yeah right you know yeah it's, it's very much like i'm here what are you doing yeah you know almost like a mother's like what are you doing yeah. <laughs> i always know i always yeah. know <laughs> i know everything stop it i have eyes in the back, eyes of, my in back of my head stop. yes <laughs> <laughs> The moment with Narcissa, it really invokes this idea of, like, um, you know, the association of, like, covens and, like, typically thinking of witches mm -hmm. as being female, as being in a network of other female witches. Right. It mm -hmm. definitely, you know, I had never thought about it before, but it's absolutely so true, like, being included in that kind of small moment of community, you know, and yeah. Bellatrix is there, too. So it's like, you know, you essentially have, mm -hmm. like, two, you know, two two women approaching a male figure they feel safe around that's not uh -huh. like they didn't go to any other male figure and they didn't go uh -huh. to any of them for a reason because so many of the death eaters that you see who are men are portrayed as being that big brash masculine kind of um uh -huh. like i guess machismo yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. snape is one of the few characters where oh so sorry no 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 please please <laughs> oh i just want to say snape is one of the few characters where um his character arc and his plot move. Sorry, I keep saying he, him. I'm just speaking to the canon. I, yeah, you know, yeah I absolutely. From absolutely. the theory. Um, but to speak to the character, Snape is a character for whom um, Snape's arc moves through Snape's relationship to women or Snape's relationship to children. Like it, it moves in a different way. It, yeah. It, so, yeah. Well, the I think Snape's that. Snape's trans theory kind of picked that up and said, even, yeah. you know, Snape doesn't have to be a woman, but. Snape is not <laughs> cis or Snape yeah. is not straight, like just plucking Snape up and being like, we need to have a discussion about yeah. this character. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that the the type of heroism, if you will, because I mean, there are, there are heroic things that, that 
Snape accomplishes through the series, the understated quality of that heroism Mm -hmm. and the fact that it was never about it, it, not at any moment did Snape ever want to be recognized for that heroism is specifically said no one can know. Exactly. Exactly. No one can ever know. That Mm -hmm. is, that is something that you can't, I cannot read that and not question gender identity in that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, it's its not, there's, there's something about this, like, archetype of masculinity that is so in your face. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, like, we're talking, I, I am comfortable talking about this from the perspective of J.K. Rowling, knowing that she is a turf. Like, mm-hmm. It's, I, I'm comfortable reading it through that lens and then taking what I want from it, right? Because mm-hmm. um, at this point, we kind of, it's either like, let it go or make it ours. Um, yeah, but, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Her turfness is in there. Oh, so sorry. Oh, Just no, to, no, no, no. <laughs> Joanne, Joanne Kathleen has always shown her roots. So, yes. I mean, to talk on, to talk about, you know, the series is written now with the knowledge. Maybe at the time with the knowledge, I didn't hear the voices then. I was a child, but now I do. I hear them. Right. Um, but Snape being, again, I've referenced it a couple of times. Snape is a caricature that, at least in the first half of the series, Rowling wants to embarrass. Yeah. And how do, do these things happen? How does Snape get embarrassed? Look to the, the Bogart. Yes. Look to, oh, why don't you just put Snape in your grandmother's dress and hat and purse? There you go. Snape's no longer scary. Like the 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 absurdity or the joke of a oh, man and woman's clothing. Like it's and is it a transphobic trope? We talk about it all the time about like, you know, when you see it in movies, the whole, oh, it's a man in the dress. Like that's the transphobic. And to remember that J.K. Rowling is trans like is exclusionary of trans women specifically is remembering that I mean, even look at look at the gender essentialism the gender essentialism in the canon, the staircases. One is for boys, one is for girls. The girls can go up the boys' one, and the boys have to go up the girls' one. It turns down, it turns into a slide because boys are inherently dangerous, even though everyone starts off 11 years old. Um, You know, they're children. And that's not to say that children can't harm each other, but to say essentially boy children are more dangerous than girl children. Right. Um, It's a a rape, it's a whistle to like rape. Like that's what it's about. Is it's like, it's about purity and it's about rape. Right, and unicorns it, are involved in all the girls petting the unicorn because in lore, unicorns love like young maidens, or, you know. Yeah, no, yeah. it's in there. Yeah, it's in there, and that's how. I mean, it. J.K. Rowling. When I want to talk about J.K. Rowling specifically, we can go. We of course, any questions you have about Snape being dead, of course. That's why I want to talk about what but, you want to talk about. So tell yes. us. <laughs> Um, I made a post at some point where I always felt like, I mean, everyone remember when Trump was first running for president. So sorry to say that to talk about that man, Mm. but, um, when Trump was first running for president and JK Rowling was very active on Twitter, um, casting aspersions, everyone was like, yes, queen, um, you know what I mean? Like everyone was doing all that stuff, but I've always, it, and it's very true of many, many celebrities on Twitter, particularly many, many rich white celebrities on Twitter, that that type of 
of activism can be very performative. Um, it can be very much, well, I know that I'm going to get the wins if, not to say that they, that people don't feel that way when they tweet this way, but it's very easy and very simple to tweet a soundbite, to tweet a hashtag or to, you know, to poo poo on someone and make a joke about Trump's intelligence or make a joke about, you know, to make a meme, uh, you know, to tweet about him and say, well, he's silly. And of course he's silly. Yeah, it's low-hanging fruit. Thank you. That's what I was thinking. It's low-hanging fruit. And to look to the tweet about people who menstruate, she uses the same tactic to say, I think there's a word for that sarcasm, that glibness. I think there's a word for it. It's like, it's to use that wit to say, I'm ridiculing you and your thoughts because I think they're wrong. It's, but it's also performative because it's not necessarily supporting a community. It's just disparaging another. So not to say that when she was doing it to Trump, I'm like, how dare you disparage conservatives? I'm not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying it was performative. It was easy. You know, anyone could do that. Um, and I think I've always felt that way about J.K. Rowling. And I remember specifically having a conversation about, you know, she writes a story about revolution. She writes a story about, you know, breaking the cycle. She writes a story about a war to save and free the people. But then what happens? All the characters that could really challenge the system don't survive the war. Remus Lupin in The Werewolf Laws. Remus Lupin doesn't survive the war. Hermione Granger works in Magical Creatures for a while. And this is post you know, this is canon from after the series is over, but she works in uh, Magical Creatures for a second, and then she goes into, I think, was it? Law, the Department of Magical Law, Law Enforcement? Yeah. yeah. Like, it, you know, the Harry Potter became a cop. Like, you know, not to say right. anything yeah. or there for my own safety, but to say, you know, it, it can feel very performative when you tell this story about we have to save the peoples, and then at the end of the story... The system, the institution is still in place. There are just different people pulling the levers. That doesn't mean that it's a better world. It just means it's a different iteration of the same world. And, you know, she didn't really put in her story a lot in the epilogue. There wasn't a lot about permanent transformative change, reform, abolition, none of it. Even though Hermione Granger is an abolitionist, you know, there's nothing, ooh, you know, it's not in there. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't see it. I was like, "Mm, give me the juice. And I didn't see it. And it's because I always felt like J.K. Rowling said, it was writing what made her comfortable. She was writing about, you know, people say write about what you know. She could know more. People were throwing information at her. It wasn't about what she knew. It was about what she felt, what she believed. So she wrote what she believed. And it shows. And I think that's not to say that people shouldn't be shocked. Of course be shocked. That's shocking. She's one of, she is one of the richest writers. She's one of the most well-known people she wrote. She changed culture with what yeah. she did, of course be shocked, of course be angry, of course you can be hurt. That's not to say that one shouldn't be shocked, it's just to say it's always been there, and now, you know, she's had social media for long enough that she feels comfortable saying what she must, and there are enough loud voices, there are enough loud, obnoxious, turf voices for her to feel like, well, I'm amongst familiar. Yeah, yeah. I have community. People yeah, support I can me say what I can these... because the people immediately around me agree. Like, right. all right cool yeah <laughs> sure whatever must be i don't know yeah. boring it, it's what a terrible even existence. with black hermione or 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 other characters when people ask where are the jewish characters when people i remember there was um someone said at some point it might have been a post on tumblr but someone said at some point there is an equal number of gay men and um goat fuckers in harry potter <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> one and one 
So it is Dumbledore and his brother. So it's, you know, it's very much like, where's the juice? Where's the proof? Uh, Show it, reveal it. And it's not in there. And it's not in there because she didn't want it to be in there because that's not how she views the world. And she wrote a version of the world that she saw. And she engaged with topics in a way that she felt like she could. And surprisingly, it was lacking. And what's very disappointing is she has so many resources. Yeah. And to not use them to educate yourself is I don't have a fraction. I don't have a hundredth of the resources she has. Not even, please. I don't have a millionth of the resources she has. Yeah. But I could still manage to Google something. <laughs> I could still have a conversation with a person. I still, you know, know people who could well, tell I think me. For sure. And like it, to... I don't know if this was before we started recording or in this where we were talking about how like finding non-binary people, it like is suit. Mm-hmm. It was before. So it, I think it was before. Yeah. And at, at any rate, we talked about how like, I feel like when I have a, a new non-binary person, like, you know, flow into my life that like more, non-binary community comes up like a field of wildflowers and I you know like that's I think an important thing to think about in regards to the circle that JK Rowling keeps is that these wildflowers were cropping up all around her and she was like I didn't plant this you know yeah we're not doing that here. no that's not in my garden ridicule go oh is that what, is that a, mm, i think there's a different word for that is it yeah. called you know yeah a wildflower that's cute so let me not keep i think i'm getting bitter i am bitter i'm allowed to be but yeah you know it's not my community so maybe my bitterness is helping maybe my bitterness is it's not for me to decide yeah I think that we've got plenty of, of uh, bitterness that we can all share lately. Sure, yeah. <laughs> One big pot. Yeah, just stirred around like with the frustration <laughs> and the anger and yeah. all of it. Yeah, it's just put it all in the pot. Yeah. Make a potion. Let's make a potion. <laughs> yes. Make a potion and pour it. Yeah. That was another thing that was so compelling to me about this conversation is like the potions and the idea of potion in like femininity. Um mm-hmm that like the practice of potion making is in and of itself is like a feminine part of witchcraft. Um, yeah. which I think, I mean, like that kind of harkens back to the episode that we had with Stacy about, uh, midwifery and like what potions actually are. It's, it's medicine, you know, and yeah. it's medicine that women made and a way to heal themselves and their community and mm-hmm. like and it exists in the black community latina yes. community, and all the communities of yes. like particularly communities of color even my grandmother will come up and say you know oh, grandma i don't feel well and she'll like okay well you take some of this you take some of that you mix it with some lemon some bacon soda you take a teaspoon of this mix it yep. together drink it in one shot you'll throw it all up you'll be fine you yep. know your herbs you have this herb do it in some of this have this, drink this tea you know a lot of just of mm-hmm especially when you're in communities that are, you know, historically marginalized and colonized. Like, you need to, you know... I mean, herbalism existed in wealthy communities. Herbalism exists in kingdoms. But to say, you know, when... To speak on the Black American experience, you know, when someone kind of picks you up and throws you somewhere else and you go, well, I have to help myself somehow. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. my children are sick or my family's sick or my friend is sick or I'm sick. I have to help myself somehow. It's going back to what you know. There are, there are herbalists. There are curers. I don't know. Because the spiritualist curious the curanderas. Yes. You go yes. and you said, hey, leave the smoke. All of, please help Smoke me. and <laughs> eggs and all of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That there's, yeah. there's medicine everywhere. Just as there's mm-hmm. medicine, there's poison. It's all about how, how much you're taking, when you're taking it and why you're taking it. And mm-hmm. that is, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, we can get into healthcare and like a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, but like that is the, <laughs> make I make a list. Okay. So, for the so we're going to talk about that. It's, the idea of like appropriate dosage is something that's uh-huh. that's in like in community medicine really really crucial and not something that we see practiced in Western medicine. Yeah. Um, and anyway, that's not a soapbox <laughs> that I need to get on for this episode. <laughs> but episode. yeah, I, I did get on that soapbox in the midwifery episode. So. So, Tali, my question for you is, you know, you talked about stepping away from the fandom and then coming back to it. So what Uh advice do you have for any fans, but particularly trans fans who are struggling with the discrepancy between, um, like, J.K. Rowling's turf comments and Uh a work that they love and maybe have grown up with like how what advice do you have for somebody who's struggling with that well the one thing i can say is i cannot tell someone in a different position how they heal but what i can say what worked for me personally was to sit and surround myself with with my truth. I had to sit down and say, all right, I had to put on a cozy blanket. I had to say, luckily I I'm blessed to be in a situation where, um, I have stability and I'm around friends and I have contact with my family. For me, that was very much, I mean, I got a cat, you know, for me, it was, <laughs> I need so magical. I went, <laughs> I rescued a 13 year old cat. I was like, I just need to feel good. Oh. I, yeah, she's very cute. She's mad at me now because she went to the vet today. But, <laughs> um, you know, I just need to feel like I'm doing, you know, I donated, I shared links. I And I had specifically, I think, what made me walk away on top of it being a very rough time to be black right now. But also it could be a very inspirational time. You know, I, there's some things happening this this time around that didn't happen last time around. So, you know, that's that's exciting in and of itself. But um, I had to walk away specifically because I went to Harry Potter and I went to my snake blog and I went to my little corner of the world because I needed a place to escape and feel safe. And then what happened was I found in the snake community, there was just so much discourse, but it didn't feel like anyone was listening to each other. There was so much discussion about petty headcanons. It was, and not about identity, not about, you know, not about the big ones but very much about is potions more like cooking or chemistry is potions. And then, you know, finding the people who say, well, it's like cooking because this, and the people who object to that saying, no, it's more like chemistry because this, it started to feel like people, it just started to feel like no one, people were talking about their personal beliefs via a fictional character. It felt like people were saying, I stand with Snape being more masculine, thus the chemistry, thus the, the logic, thus the this. 
versus, no, I see Snape is more feminine, thus the cooking, thus the, no, I see, and then it got to the point of like, you know, if I want to engage with topics of femininity and masculinity, I could do that in my own life. I don't need to do that <laughs> about a, a fictional character. I don't have to do that. And then with J.K. Rowling, transphobic tweets, research, re, having a resurgence, her just being inspired to be awful again. It just felt like, you know, to heal right now, it was very much, we look to Harry Potter and we look to our favorite characters and we look to our favorite moments because we're looking for, for me, I've been looking for myself. I'm looking for where I fit in. I'm looking for where I fit in in a world where magic exists, where anything's possible, where there are mystical creatures, where I can get on a broom and fly, where I can do all these magic spells. Like, I'm looking for me in a world that can give me options that I don't have in this world here. And when, and that's how I wrote my fan fiction. I wrote my fan fiction very specifically about of trying to engage with topics. Like when I write, I have one fic where in it, Hermione, Hermione Granger still works for um, magical creatures in the ministry, but it gets gutted. It gets defunded because of all the abuses against um, being in creature citizens. She gets all the funding and she revamps it into an embassy. Um, and she becomes the first magical creature ambassador. Like I just oh needed, I, I needed that. that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I needed that. And in that story, it's very contested. In that story, she does not have a lot of public support. But, um, you know, that's, I just had, I had to to live in that world in a way that gave me more resources and allowed me to do good. And when that world stops functioning or when that good starts to um, be overwhelmed by the bad, step away. Because what you're looking for is yourself and what you're looking for is your, what I'm looking for is myself in an empowered, safe, loved fashion. And what I can do is sometimes I have to step away and say, I'm going to empower and love <laughs> and secure yeah. myself as much as I can in my life before I step back in. Because I can't necessarily trust fandom. I can't necessarily trust other people with that, you know, who all who don't know me, who aren't in my personal life, who don't, you know, care and love about me i have friends i have most of my friends it's a joke that i like to make most of my friends it's like well you do like garbage and so that's why you're that way and i'm like i'm yeah, fine <laughs> oh, okay <no. laughs> sure they weren't my kids <laughs> why do i have to be upset yeah. <laughs> he's not my child but i'm very poisoned a frog you know what i mean being very flippant but you know to say sometimes it's just like look the, the stars aren't real and that's upsetting but it's the truth the stories aren't real. We're projecting onto the stories because we are looking for something. Some people can just sit down and enjoy something. And when it come, when I start to realize that I'm more projecting and I'm trying to, what I'm trying to do is feel loved and feel secure, but I'm doing it in the wrong direction. I'm not doing it to me. I'm doing it for a character that's not real, that's, that other people are, can handle in their own way because, it's, you know, the character belongs to the fandom, so anyone can do anything with it, and the person who created it doesn't have my best interest at heart. At that point, I go, you know what? This isn't about the character. This is about me. This isn't about the content. This is about me. And so I have to step back and say, you know, it's very hard to be me right now, but being me is healthier than being Snape. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. healthier than trying to be not me. Yeah. So, oh you know, God. I mean, I say I want Harry Potter to love queer people. I want Harry Potter, let me not say, not everybody loves, not everybody is a fan of that word, but um, Harry Potter, I want Harry Potter in the world, in that universe. I want it to love black people. I want it to love uh, um, 
people of color in general. I want them to love people in the LGBTQ community. I want to tell trans people. I want to tell, you know, I want that universe to love these things. And if that universe feels like it can't hold that right now, I'm just going to have to be in my life and do that for me. In my life, I'm going to have to love brown people. In my life, I'm going to have to love black people. In my life, I'm going to have to love LGBTQ people. I'm just going to have to do that here. And so I started donating and started, started reading, um, works by black authors more and i just took i got one night where i just drank a bunch <laughs> and started buying books i was like i'm just gonna throw it you know That's the best. it's just you it's know, quarantine for love so find love yeah 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 you bring up like this really beautiful poignancy which is like you know and this is what i try to do in my own life when i'm like when something's triggering me i'm like where do i need that self-love because like uh-huh. it, nothing can upset me unless it's already within me. So just uh-huh. like you're saying, like this is upsetting me. So how do I need to show up for myself and my community? And uh-huh. like also, like I pulled some cards for you, and like <laughs> everything you said like, lines up perfectly with these cards that I pulled. Oh, that's exciting! So I'm like oh, really exciting. excited to talk about. It. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, I'm yes. so ready. Okay. I'm so Yay. excited. This is this is. <laughs> One of our favorite parts of each episode is pulling cards for our guests. It's so much fun. So, so I'm using um, Celestial Tarot because you, mm-hmm. you know the astrology. And so like that's the deck that I'm using. It's really beautiful. Um, and the first card I pulled for you is the King of Pentacles inverted. So this is Ooh. what it looks like. And it's represented by Cardinal Earth in this deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which makes sense, right? Um, and so, okay. when, the way yep. I'm viewing we got that this, Virgo in there. We got that Virgo. <laughs> the way I'm viewing this, like in in light of what we've been talking about, is really like um, it's like the obsession. It's like that stubborn obsession with like the worldly stuff, and like that's where we've been, especially with this controversy around J.K. Rowling. Is like the the focus has been on like you know oh well like she's benefiting from this and she's not moving and like she's like Mm -hmm. you know bringing she's tainting this work and we can't give her our money we have to like we're big we're very focused on her stubbornness and her Mm -hmm. like you know turfism i don't know if that's a word i'm making it a word bigotry yeah, thank you for bigotry. Yes, like that's where the focus. You gave me low hanging fruit. I'm paying it back. You know. Here we go. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and that like it it works with um the two of swords inverted here, and so it's represented by the constellation of lupus, which I'm just gonna like go out there and say that it's uh, the synchronicity of um Lupin coming up, but. I see that as being like, you know, we've almost been in a place of like knowing too much of how we having too much information and really having to sift through it. Just like Mm -hmm. you said, where what we need to do is like making it ours and looking Mm -hmm. at like, where do we need to love ourselves? And like, you know, really like making like coming to healing and coming to peace with our views on the series like that's crazy okay. yeah i'm very excited i'm like that's so happening right now that's yeah. so cool okay and the best i'm like loving this the best is um the we have the five of swords inverted and it's represented by pegasus and oh. this to me it's like about reconciliation 
and like making amends and forgiving like past hurts. So I think that what what this like really what everything you're saying is about like how do we move forward and like let mm -hmm. go of the resentment and kind of make it ours again. You mm -hmm. know, and like choose to just like have that conscious awareness around the parts of it that we enjoy and allowing ourselves to enjoy it, but enjoying it from a place that feels empowering, exactly what you were talking about. Oh my goodness, I love that. That's so fun. I have, oh, because I have a deck, a friend of mine also has a deck. It's exciting. What I'm saying is, I'm excited. What I'm saying is, that's really cool. <laughs> I'm having a good time. I do, listen, when tarot happens, I got, when in a very difficult time of my life, I, um, was drawn to a particular deck that I had seen in a spiritualist shop by where I work. And I walked in and I look at it. And I think on it, I think it was the Queen of Swords. It was, on, it was a Morgan Greer deck. I like it because it's very like classic looking. It looks like it could be tattoos. Like I like it. I actually got a tattoo <laughs> that was inspired by the styling of that deck. I and I saw it. the Queen of Swords and she was just not looking at me saying, that's, listen. <laughs> and I was just like, okay. You know what? Sometimes I feel like that's why I began my whole. Sometimes you just gotta confront what it is. Just it. Listen, <laughs> the truth is the truth, and there ain't nothing different. Um, mm -hmm. Especially in this time of the global rise of fascism, you need the truth. You need facts. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. need what it is. Um, yeah. There's a lot of propaganda about. It. <laughs> we need to know the situation. Yeah. Um, so I just love. I'm sorry, I just excited. I love tarot yeah, decks. Okay. I love Good. when they give you information. Excited. Yeah. All right. So we got another one for you because I pulled cards oh. for you too. Oh yeah, you get one oh. from both of us. Yes. Yeah. Oh, All of it. Christmas. Oh. Oh yes. So what's, uh, for what's Christmas but not Christmas because Christmas was stolen. What's the other one? Yule. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's like Yule. <laughs> Winter solstice. If you want to be non-secular, or if you want to be secular. Also, guys, I am so sorry. I like read astrology all the time but i like can't pay attention for the life of me i said mm -hmm. that virgo is cardinal it is not it is capricorn sorry everybody <laughs> yeah. i yeah. i mess up too <laughs> like yeah. sorry what's virgo mutable because i think Taurus yeah. is fixed that's yeah. exciting it's, How it's about mutable that's exciting? <laughs> um so my deck, uh, I switched it up this week for, um, for you because I had a feeling that, like, as soon as I was, like, flipping through my desk, some decks, I was like, this one, this is the one. Um, I grabbed mm -hmm. my Dreslin deck, which is minimalist. Um, so all of the imagery is, like, just perfectly stripped down. Um, mm -hmm. And so the first card that I pulled for you is Ooh. the Two of Pentacles, if my camera will. <laughs> yeah, I see it. So oh, wow. two of pentacles is all about, um, balance and mm -hmm. the, the tr traditional card has someone juggling the coins mm -hmm. and there's like turbulent water behind them. Um, mm. so with this card, typically what you're seeing is this like balancing of resource, whether we consider mm. that our, our energy, you know, balancing of time, balancing mm -hmm. of, um, material resource, you know, like money, because we live in a capitalist world right now. Um, mm -hmm. but it's, it's balancing that understanding the give and take of it. And then, um, kind of like turning your back on 
the turbulence behind you and saying, uh-huh. I really have to focus on this. That turbulence back there is not mine right now, right? Like this, the pentacle yeah. cards are always earthy cards and uh-huh. that wateriness of it, like, nope, I'm focused <laughs> just on this earth energy right now. The, that water, uh-huh. that can wait. Um, yeah. which, which definitely like for me echoes a lot of your experience with, um, leaving fandom and, and kind of taking time to assess where you stand mm-hmm. and how you feel and like what you can get for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, the next card that I pulled for you is the eight of swords. If my glare would calm down back a little bit. Oh so, yeah. I see back it. it up. There we go. Yeah, oh yeah. There we go. Oh, there was, it is. Yeah. There that is. Oh, that's love. Look at that. Isn't that's that exciting. nice? So with it the, looks like Go ahead. Alien rooms. I'm very excited. Yeah. No, I'm like the cards look <laughs> oh, like. Oh, wait till you see the next one. So um, the the Eight of Swords is that, like, it's a reminder that certain restrictions that we feel on ourselves are self-imposed, that it's mm-hmm. um, conditioning that we have that we can't do this and that we're stuck doing that. And... Um, that we're not allowed to move freely. And this card is a mm-hmm. reminder that you can you can move um, freely in this, especially in following this material resource. Like mm-hmm. you can make it yours and you can find what, what that movement is. And one of the things that I think is really interesting with, with astrological climate right now Mm -hmm. that Jupiter in retrograde. So Jupiter is always about expansion. And there's a few cards in here that, that definitely speak to that expansion and like ruminating on it. Like it's something Mm -hmm. that you're thinking about, right. That there's, you're trying to figure out, okay, where am I moving into? What area is comfortable for me that I can feel like I own this space. And Mm -hmm. And having this eight of swords in there says, take a look at that conditioning, take a look at where you feel like you can make more freedom of movement on that. Um, Mm -hmm. And that this balancing of, yeah. I just said that. Yeah. I just was just like, this is how I feel. And then the charge was just like, we knew. Yeah. Oh, they they see, (laughs) they see for sure. Um, And I think that following that, like, balancing of the pentacles i mean it really does mm-hmm. kind of reinforce that focus on on what you have and what you're balancing and what mm-hmm. like what balls you can take out of juggling and where you can um where you can make space for that this is a big card about making movement and making space which is oh. a good transition into your last card oh um, my last focus uh let's see oh too much glare i, I, I know glare. back a bit back a bit there we go yeah, yeah oh there it is i had to move I was like, it's I have tough to with this though. minimalist deck the glare is brutal with these like <laughs> they said listen we have very few details okay you're yeah. gonna be in, you need to be in prime conditions to view them. yes yeah daylight only um <laughs> so this is the seven of cups and it's kind of hard to there we go that's easier oh. so it's seven of those guys uh-huh. um and so the seven of cups yeah, it's it's definitely like I love that it, it looks like it's holding up the moon in each of yeah. them. Like, yeah, that's it's so it, nice. It's really sweet. I so beer pong, but you know that's. Nice. <laughs> oh. 
flip cup. <laughs> I don't even know it. I, I can't even touch that. <laughs> so, so with the seven of cups, it is also about um, decisions, right? So the progression of the cards look like looks like you've taken the space to really think about where balance is in your life, where things are mm-hmm. tilted too much and where you, um, can regain a little bit of that control and that, that sort of nimbleness. Um, mm-hmm. and that going through this work of looking at your conditioning and where that's holding you back and where you can make space, um, like sort of reclaim space in that, um, mm-hmm. will allow you to make decisions much more easily. Um, that a lot of what comes up with the seven of cups is illusion, but preceded with these other cards, it says to me that you're you're doing that work to break through mm-hmm. that illusion and see mm-hmm. yourself and where where you sit in community and where you sit with you know loving yourself and taking space that that feels like yours and mm-hmm. and yeah i, I love so it exciting it's I'm so, so exciting. excited it's exciting because you know when you're alone with your own thoughts Sometimes it feels like, oh, that's, you know, BS. Once it leaves your body, it's going to turn into mist and disappear. And for the cards to be like, no, I heard you. But what? I don't understand. It's happening. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> it's the it's case. there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so excited. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's fascinating. The excitement I feel unparalleled. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm so, so glad. glad. Yeah, thank you. All my earth signs is why I'm responding so reservedly. <laughs> All my earth signs are just like, take it in, think about it. <laughs> I mean, like, that's your human design too, right? Like, yeah. You need to sleep on it. <laughs> I'm going to wake up tomorrow and just be like, you need to listen to what I just yeah. heard. The decisions <laughs> here, you got it. <laughs> And my Aries rising kicks in and I just start screaming. I'm like, listen, <laughs> I also have an Aries Mars. So I just oh, yell. man. I'm very yes. loud. Yeah. I just run around and I scream and I say, listen to me. My Sagittarius <laughs> sees your Aries and we're both screaming. <laughs> just constantly Sometimes screaming. you just got to scream about it. Yep. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, that's exciting. I love to know that information. <laughs> yeah. So glad to share it with you. And thank you so much for sharing so much information with us, this conversation. I could talk about it forever. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. And we're definitely going to have to bring you back for sure. If you would would like to come and chat some more, even if you just want to have a hangout. We yeah. should definitely chat more. I'm so glad. Oh, that's so fun. Because when, um, uh, because, you came to me and I was like, oh, exciting. And then um, my friend that you would talk to originally had sent me a message. It's like, okay, I just referred some people to you. Okay, check them out. Try to get their information, see what's going on. You know, they seem cool. I just want you to know. Just be sure. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'll show up to talk, you know? Yeah. As long and as I, all I got to do, all I can do is talk from what's true for me. So. Yeah. And yeah. then you went to our podcast and saw that our most recent episode was Hex White Supremacy. Hex White Supremacy. I, because both me and my roommate are both black, and so we were both like, what's going on in here? Let's look. Uh, my roommate also did the human design quiz because we were both like, yes. this? This so What'd your roommate get? Also got the same as me. Oh, really? So, yes. We're very similar. We have different sign patterns completely, but that's my best friend. My roommate... I believe is a, is it a, what is, 
hold on one second. I'm going to ask you. Go for it. <laughs> what's your rising sign? Really? And what's your moon sign? Oh, no. All right. Well, <laughs> I heard that Scorpio. Yeah, Virgo rising, Leo sun, Scorpio moon. <laughs> wow. So it's very much like we shouldn't get along as well as we do, but we do. That's so it balances out enough. And yeah. apparently human design is similar. But I yeah. think their, what was their, I think their inner authority was, was it sacrality? Sacrity? Oh, sacral. Oh, sacral. Yeah, that's sacral. me. So I'm, yeah, generator with sacral authority, which, yeah, it's where much less verbal about our decisions. We're just like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Check out the episode we did on human design. It's like a deep yeah. dive. It's a long I have one, but you'll like I have so to. much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited. I love a new thing. So I'm excited yeah. to see like yeah. tell me. Oh, there's there's so much to it. It's so nuanced. So it's basically just to give you the the rundown of it, mm-hmm. the short version is mm-hmm. it's astrology. Um mm-hmm. the I Ching. The tree of life and oh the chakra system all like layered on each other. It's all together. Ooh, it's a lot. A it's yeah. It's like it's like to a talk club about sandwich. That and, to talk about yeah. that and to talk about the big list of every Pottermore quiz. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, because Layer just it. because Harry Potter happened in like formative years for so many people, and so much, and it's so much about identifying yourself. Like, are you with Slytherin? Are you with this? That's why yeah. people are so attached to it because they're like, well, "What's the pers? What's my personal truth? Tell me about my personality." Yeah, yeah. it's just—it's funny. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so fun. Well, it's just funny. It's like there's taking something it from here and bringing it up here. It's oh yeah, fun. for sure. And there's something in human design. There's a particular so they not to bog everybody down with this, but there's um, a particular gate that's activated by, um, in our generation's case, it's activated by Uranus. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of people with Uranus in this particular placement have their Mm -hmm. 10th gate activated and folks with 10th gate um, activation Mm -hmm. are like really into understanding (laughs) themselves and like, I have to understand me. I have to understand. (laughs) Give me all of the the answers. answers. So I I wonder if you might have the 10th gate activated too. It it, it seems probably. Do you have, um, I want to know where can people find you? Because you talk about your fanfic and your art and all this stuff. Can they come find you? Yes. Yes, I'm taking, I'm returning slowly but surely back to writing my works in progress because I had to put them down, like I said. Sure. But um, they're still there. They still exist. My AO3 um, author name is the Cokeworth Cauldron. That's also, so Cokeworth being the town that state is from, of course, and <gasps> cauldrons because, you know, witchery. Sure. And um, because, you know, he does the potions. Um so that's my AO3 author name, and that's also my Tumblr name is Cokeworth Cauldron. So that's usually where I'm the most active fandom-wise, and that's really the most that I do um, right now. So yes, okay. that's where you can find me. That's where you'll find my my explicit snooping fanfiction. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> Good, yes. That's where we're going to be headed next. Yes. <laughs> Telly, that's it's, so been, funny. it's been so, so fun. wonderful. So, so yes. wonderful having you here. Thank yeah. you. And we'll so, have so thank grateful you to meet having. you. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I was so <laughs> nervous, but now it's like I'm glad I, 
I yeah. showed up. No this reason so to be. Fun. Yeah, we're all friends now. So yes. Yeah. And for those so of grateful. you listening, don't forget to subscribe and give us a five star review, so that way we can get into more people's ears because we want to spread the gospel of Snape is trans. Okay. <laughs> Among other things, but that is yes. our gospel this week: is that Snape is trans. We're all about it. And you can find yes. us also on Instagram, Millennial Mystics, or you can find us on Facebook. We have a community there, a budding community. There are not many people in it. I think it's me and Kaylee. And I'm not on Facebook. Joined... Oh, no. It's just me then, guys. Did you, did you add me? Yeah. I think I did. Yeah. So you can find yeah. us, but find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. We have a website, MillennialMysticsPodcast.com. Yes. And Twitter, oh, which I actually have oh, yes. something really oh. fun planned for you guys on Twitter. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm going to have a, a thread for a series, or I don't know how Twitter works yet, but I do have an idea for information I want. Void. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. But I hear sometimes the void screams back over there, and it makes me nervous. But uh, All yeah. at once. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, like just a lot of screaming. Um, so many yeah. Aries. Um, yeah, I have some really fun information that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys on there that has to yes. do with human design and activism. So, yeah. and that uh, handle ooh. is mm -hmm. Mystics Pod because we had limited characters. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Not so allowed. On, on that, yeah. note, we will be back next week. And thanks for tuning in. Bye. Yes. Bye, guys. Special thanks to Jack De Silva for our dope ass intro music. Lindsay Allman for our transcendent logo and cover art, and Hope Clinton for her superb audio editing. Tune in every Friday for the latest episode, and don't forget to rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts.